The reading is from 1 Samuel, chapter 17, verses 32 to 50. David said to, Saul, David said to Saul, "Let no one lose, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him." Saul replied, "You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been a fighting man from his youth." But David said to Saul. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God of Israel. All those gathered here will know that that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, And taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Lovely little story. Classic Old Testament story. Amazing. The way that evil is personified and the way that God comes against evil and destroys it through faithfulness and through courage and through his power and not human strength. It's a classic underdog versus champion story used often that phrase, a David and Goliath encounter in sports and all sorts of stuff. David, there he was, this young lad, Father Jesse, put him in charge of, of the sheep. His other brothers were off at the battle lines, but it was Samuel who had anointed David as a young boy to be the future king of Israel. It was David that had God's favor upon him because David, God could see David's heart. He could see his potential, and he could see his character. Part of David, who David was, was a gifted musician, skilled at playing the harp, we read. He used to sing and play in the king's, King Saul's court when Saul was caught up in some violent rages. He just lost it completely at times. And it was David, through that music, that enabled him to find calm and peace once again as is the case today in many, many ways. What then can we learn from this story that we know so well? What can we learn as we encounter what we see to seem to be giant forces that oppose us and threaten our society and indeed our planet? Well, I want to highlight two powers, two forces, two Goliaths that we all face from time to time and see how God seeks to confront those, how we can confront them in God's way. And those two, those two powers are fear and despair, fear and despair. First of all, fear. We read how the, the armies of Israel were literally paralyzed by fear. They could not move towards him. And yet David uses the weapons of faith to confront fear. Listen to the words from verse 45 of 1 Samuel 17. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name or in the character, in the power of the Lord Almighty, Yahweh, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. How dare you defy this God? This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. Not I will defeat you, but the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Now whether God had told him to cut off his head? It's there in the text. We don't really know exactly. But anyway. This very day... I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world, and this is the point, the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. It is for the glory of God worldwide 
that this act is happening. The stakes are high. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. Perhaps that's the key text out of everything that we're reading and thinking about this morning. The battle is the Lord's. Any battle that we are in, we are on the Lord's side. It is his battle, not ours. His battle. And he will give all of you into our hands. So we ask, how did David confront fear? It was through faith in God, not man-made weapons, but he took off Saul's cumbersome armor that he wasn't used to. He was used to confronting wild animals, bears and lions. Because he knew that God was with him in those less ferocious situations, comparatively speaking, he knew that God could be trusted, that God was a faithful one. Indeed, he'd written about probably some of the Psalms already. In other words, he came with a faith perspective. The battle was the Lord's. That's why we can sing songs like, Over all the earth you reign on high. He had a faith perspective. St. Paul takes up this theme where he, when he speaks in Ephesians of the requirement to take up and put on the, the great armor of God. Remember those words from Ephesians chapter 6? Finally, he says to his fellow Christians, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in this present age. Even this week, we have been reminded of the forces of evil that are there in witchcraft, mutilating children's bodies, reportedly done by a witch. I read recently that there are more witches, people who purport to be witches, than clergy in this nation. They're hidden, they're real. The powers of evil are rampant in our world. And we need to be aware of those things. And therefore, says St. Paul, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, when that testing time comes in your life, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. And this is, this is the how. Yeah, okay, Paul, I get that. I'm going to try and stand against evil. But how do I do it? Here's the how. Stand firm with the belt of truth tucked around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. All these are aspects of what it means to live a life in God's power and God's strength. Truth, righteousness, Gospel of peace, faith, the word of God, and prayer. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So 
we have a huge toolbox which he can draw on. I'm not going to try and expand that now, but I've asked Ruth if she'd come forward for a moment and speak from her experience of what it means to put on and to be clothed with and to use that armor, one or two parts of that armor, in everyday life. And I have such huge, we all do, respect for Ruth as a, a warrior for the Lord in prayer and in so many other ways. You're just going to share from that wisdom for a moment. Thank you. I often hear people say, I put my armor on regularly every day. But the armor in themselves are just inanimate things. But our God is a living God, and it's from him that we receive our protection. He is our shield. We face nothing alone. So each day I need to turn to look to him and by my faith in my loving Father, the Father who is a good, good Father, who loves me unconditionally, and I need to trust him in all things. Philippians 4, 6 tells us, don't worry or be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So as challenges come my way, I turn immediately in prayer and tell him, who is always listening, who is just a prayer away, and then trust. Trust and faith are as one. I ask for God's peace. Perfect peace drives out fear. Genesis 28 verse 15 says, I will be with you and protect you wherever you go. I believe this and trust. Can you trust? Can you let go and trust and surrender to our loving God who knows how many hairs you have on your head? Who loves us with a love that we just can't comprehend? Fear and anxiety will put you into a downward spiral very quickly. Maybe you live with daily fears. You will know if you do. Face them and hand them over. Release them from your clenched hands and open your hands to receive from your loving Father. You may need to remind yourself daily to entrust your fears to him. Grasp the shield of faith and remember who you are, a child of the living God, all-powerful God, and trust. Thank you, Ruth. A simple, practical thing to do there is to have your hands clenched like that and imagine you might be holding on to that which you are fearing and then by letting go, express it through opening of the hands gradually and entering into a prayer, Lord, I let that go and I let, I receive what you have for me, faith, as opposed to letting go of that fear. Sometimes doing things practically can help to express inward spiritual truths. So we are 
invited to use the weapon of faith to overcome fear. What about despair? As a huge enemy for millions today, despair that can sometimes lead to the most extreme of circumstances. Who knows what contributes to those things? Molly Russell's father spoke about Instagram that helped kill her daughter. She committed suicide. There were so many contributory factors to it. But we all face those feelings of, of despair at some level. David in Psalm 88 spoke about being overwhelmed with trouble, counted among those, who's, among those who go down to the pit. He knew depression. He knew despair. How do we face that giant God's way? Well, John Bunyan's uh, Pilgrim's Progress gives us a wonderful analogy or metaphor for that, written in the 1600s. I was delighted to discover that uh, there is an animated film of Pilgrim's Progress being released this Easter, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that with my grandchildren, perhaps. But it's the second most read book, Christian book in the world, next to the Bible. One of the stories in that book pictures Christian and hopeful on the journey to the celestial city, and they've been tempted to depart from the king's highway, as it's called, to take an easier route. And they find themselves going into Doubting Castle and they meet giant despair. There they are beaten with mercy, and Chris, without mercy, rather. <laughs> I did write without. <laughs> they are beaten mercilessly. The Christian reaches a point where he wants to end his life. The giant's wife, pleasant character, recalls with them ways they might commit suicide. Hopeful turns to Christian and says, let's consider that the outcome of all this is not in the hands of the giant despair. So summon your courage within and let us be patient and endure a while longer. They sleep for a while, and sometime during the night, they begin to pray. And Christian suddenly remembers that he's been given a key. The key is called promise. And with this key, he remembers he's able to unlock every cell door. And so Christian and Hopeful begin to recall the promises of God. I will never leave you, never will I forsake you. Those who trust in the Lord shall renew their strength. He is in you, is greater than he is in the world. Nothing shall be able to separate you from the love of God. All these great promises, and this is the key. And with that key, they escape from the castle and return to the king's highway. And Bunyan, interestingly, writes, and they set up a sign for other travelers passing that way to beware of the danger of taking the easier shortcut and remember the key called promise. So Bunyan wants to proclaim this truth. We find in scripture that as we read and recall God's promises, so hope is birthed and kindled. Hope is there to move us out of despair. But 
It's not just about hope. It's about putting those faith and the promises of God into action, taking action that will move us out of those places. Christian and hopeful had to take the key and put it in the lock and to turn it. David had to take those stones and put them in his sling, put it around the, his head and hurl it. Action. Not just sort of, not just prayer. I was struck this week by a 16-year-old girl. I think she's 14-year-old. Doing a TED talk, Greta Thunberg. I'm just going to play a one-minute clip from this TED talk that struck me so powerfully related to one of those great giants, climate justice. Now we're almost at the end of my talk. And this is where people usually, people usually start talking about hope. Solar panels, wind power, circular economy, and so on. But I'm not going to do that. We've had 30 years of pep talking and selling positive ideas. And I'm sorry, but it doesn't work. Because if it would have, the emissions would have gone down by now. They haven't. And yes, we do need hope. Of course we do. But the one thing we need more than hope is action. Once we start to act, hope is everywhere. So instead of looking for hope, look for action. Then, and only then, hope will come. Today, we use 100 million barrels of oil every single day. There are no politics to change that. There are no rules to keep that oil in the ground. So we can't save the world by playing by the rules. Because the rules have to be changed. Everything needs to change. And it has to start today. Thank you. It's the children who are leading the way. Plastic bags, confronting politicians. She spoke in the climate change conference in Poland recently as well. Instead of looking for hope, look for action. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, says James. David had to summon up that courage from within and face Goliath, and he had to take those actions. The son of David, who confronted the greatest of all evil, death itself, took action. He faced the cross, felt the fear and the darkness of despair, and along with the hatred of humanity, He hung on the cross, held not by nails, but by love. He overcame through love. He believed that God had promised that life was stronger than death, 
and he overcame. He had faith that the, the last battle was the Lord's and overcame. And unlike David, he did not return evil for evil, but he forgave those who persecuted them and prayed for them. He loved them, even unto death. And so faith, hope, and love remain. The greatest ways that God has of confronting and overcoming evil today. I'd like to ask our musicians to come forward and we're going to respond to those simple truths through song. Jesus always continually looked to the promises of God. He looked to the greatness of God. He looked to God with faith and God delivered him from darkness. So let us rejoice and praise the greatness of the King. Let's stand together.